There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. It does tend to get quite, well, physically graphic. So, um, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not, luckily, well, not luckily, but like, there's not, I mean, it's not, it's not raunchy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Beth Murray, and this is One Torn Every Minute, the podcast where we talk about giving birth. Today, I'm joined by the splendid comedian and comedy writer, Athena Kublenu. Welcome, Athena, to my birthing centre. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. I'm very excited because I have a sense that you have a story here, um, but we'll come to that in good time. Uh, Can we probe your uterus a little? um, Yeah. By firstly summarising how many times you have borne a child. Um, Can I say one and a half? Because, simply because I'm growing one now. So. Oh, I'm so pleased, and I'm pleased. I'm obviously <laughs> pleased for you, but I'm mainly pleased for me because this is the first um, in a delicate condition one torn every minute. Oh, I've in done. A way. Yes. Yeah, in my. <laughs> yeah, oh. and I'm well, and I'm well up the duff. I'm like, I'm like six months in, so that's why I'm like, I would. I'm normally quite private about stuff. So, are people who didn't know I was pregnant until they met my daughter because <laughs> I'm quite a private person. So oh my... I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm well up. yeah, that question was like, I feel like I should probably answer that. On wow. Two, one and a half, yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering if I should hold back a bit, but I'm not going to. We'll just see no, where no, we no, go no, with no, this. Hold back. I'm not, no, 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 I'm very, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm tough for boots. <laughs> okay, okay, me. okay, let's go for it then. <laughs> so what I usually do is I ask you to choose your favourite child um by, by which I mean uh, your favorite birth but we don't know what that's going to be yet so we're just going to go for the first I already know it'll be the second one do you know why why because hopefully we'll be in a same lockdown and I'll be able to do it on my own really because <laughs> so, the first one there was a crowd it was a cast of thousands and they all needed to fuck off anyway they all need to go they all needed to go away. um so hopefully fingers crossed for this one it'll just be me and a midwife and a bucket or whatever it is they use, I don't know. Are I you was... going to have um like a, a a pool in your living room? Listen, no, no, no. It'll be hospital birth all the way. I did all that birth centre stuff. Um, you actually said birthing centre earlier on. It was totally triggering. Right. Um, yeah. We'll go into that. We'll go into that. We'll go into that. So first time round, you were in a birthing centre. Well, that was the plan. Um, but I should never have been there. Um, the decision to put me there was the start of a very long 48 hours, I would say. Okay, yes. right. I'm already sensing some really <laughs> some really juicy storylines here. So I'm just going to take you back. So wh- when are we talking? When were you pregnant last time? So um, I, was, I gave birth in October 2018. Um, and an important part of this story is that I was very late. I was about 20 days late. 20 um, days yeah yeah so we probably so maybe less maybe 18 20 but I was I waited two weeks and then there was a further like three or four days of just getting fitted in you know that was that was get the, when I went when I went to the midwife after two weeks you know they scheduled in the induction and they scheduled it in for so I was due on a Wednesday and I had my induction on a Sunday so Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's 18, yeah, 18 days late. I was 18 days late, yeah. Wow. I mean, I suppose first babies are often late, but not usually that late. And they don't usually let you go that long. They start fussing before then. Well, I, I heard a really interesting fact about the the science behind 
um, overdue births and that apparently the information we use is based on data from like the 50s from yeah. like a really small sample size. Like my, my experience is that it was the right thing to do to wait. I mean, you have to get induced eventually. You're not elephants. Yeah. But it was... And it was in turn, like, I think really beneficial because babies come out too early anyway. That's the science, right? They're born far too soon. But if they were born any later, women wouldn't survive the childbirth. So that's why when they come out, they're not very fun. They're just sort of, like they aliens. can't see. Yeah, you know, they can't, they can't, you know, they can't do anything. Um, so I think an extra couple of weeks, I mean, I gave birth, I didn't give, I always say I didn't give birth to a newborn. I gave birth to a baby. She come out like fully cooked. Overcooked, in fact. Wow. Um, I had an undercooked baby, so it can be a good thing to wait that long. It sounds like you were having quite a good pregnancy. We, did you feel healthy and fit and happy? Yes. I mean, again, not. I, I, it's really easy to stray into the territory of body shaming and all that kind of really problematic stuff. But, you know, up until my pregnancy, I was like one of those really boring people that was like measuring porridge and running and doing all that stupid stuff riding my bike to get to places before covid guys i'm not a covid bike rider do you know what i'm saying i'm hardcore i was doing it when there was no cycle lanes yeah so like getting into bikes with buses so what i mean is i I feel like that massively benefited me during my pregnancy because it's just it was like i know it sounds really weird and a lot of it is luck because not everybody is 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 lucky enough to have a a kind of a trouble-free pregnancy but other than the sickness and the nausea I was physically like quite fit or with it. So it just, it just was, I didn't feel um, like I ran up until six months. I was doing 5k runs a couple of days a week. And then one day I, I ran to the top of my street and I was just, I couldn't breathe. I was like, and that was my body going, yeah, keep it social. <laughs> <laughs> You've done a bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit. And after that, I didn't, I just sort of went swimming and, and used my exercise bands. I didn't really do much after that. And, but all I, I honestly believe that really benefited me. Um, and I did the Edinburgh festival, like totally knocked up. I was like eight months pregnant by the end of it. Bloody hell. Um, and it was, but everyone's it, honestly, cause a lot of people forget that pregnancy isn't a medical condition. You know, when you give birth, you don't need a doctor, for example. So if you are lucky enough to not have anything, um, uh, transpire out from your pregnancy, you know, like high blood pressure or, you know, you can get diabetes. There's all these things that can happen. And luckily I managed to whatever, I don't know how I get touched by any of those things. So I um, really wanted a doctor. I mean, I was fine, but I do like, <laughs> I do like a doctor. <laughs> Just to dip into this pregnancy that's, that, that's now, I'm so excited about that. Um, is that the same or is, is it a different feeling? It's um, the same in the sense that I touch wood, you know, I'm, I'm in, in good health, um, but it's the, wor- it's the worst feeling of nausea and tiredness. And that's how I knew it was a boy. I was like, this is a boy in me. And do you, are pretty, you know yeah. that for a fact or you're just convinced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I went and I was like, I know it's a boy because I've literally felt terrible for the last three or four months like I was yeah. and it compared to my last pregnancy not so much that boys are trouble boys are lovely if they weren't lovely I wouldn't be pregnant um <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was more the fact that it was so different in my brain I was like this is a different baby because I, I was sick and I was nauseous with the first one but this was another another kind of illness I, and at one point um like I couldn't taste anything I couldn't smell anything I thought it was corona I was gonna say that sounds like it, covid it was the baby. It was a child. I know it was. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I still, even, you know, I'm six months in and I still have this, still have the nausea. I still have the tiredness. Um, so now I've, and I had, I had a cold. So this is not my proper voice. <laughs> I've had a cold <laughs> since, uh, since, since February. You've taken away your voice. That's the patriarchy. Yeah. I'm a little bit Ed Miliband at the moment. Um, <laughs> Um, so, but again, it's more that, you know, there's like pregnancy symptoms and then there's like pregnancy illness and the symptoms, you just, you've got, it's like surfing, you just got to ride them, yeah. you know, and I've got, I've gotten used to it now. Oh, and I've got terrible wind. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, I find it hilarious, but <laughs> obviously I live with someone who doesn't think it's funny, <laughs> but parts are always funny. <laughs> and also you're having a boy, then you've got to get used to farting being funny. Look, we all know boys are smelly. We know this. Okay. No, no, if you have, you know, even if you, even if you are a boy or a man, you know that boys are slightly smellier than girls. It's just how it is. You ever go into like, I have two brothers and I think about their bedrooms and I just think about their socks and the food they would leave under their beds and oh God. But my one, trust me now, this is like, 
you know, all my energies. I don't care if he gets no GCSEs, if he if his room is tidy and he doesn't have that boy smell. Then... <laughs> <can> fail at <laughs> all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just be, just smell nice, man. Like, no, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it makes you think. Babies do make you think about gender and all this stuff. And I'll, I will try to be, I'll try to project my beliefs about gender and all that bullshit onto them. But they will absorb all this stuff from the world, and he will eventually say, "Hold on a minute, I can wear socks four days in a row." <laughs> and it won't yeah. be me. The me. That's the media. What can I do? As the mother of boys, I can sympathise with that. <laughs> Um, but let's take you back to your lovely smelling girl. Mm. Um, so you were 18 days overdue. Yes. And then you, so you went to hospital so that you could be induced? Yes, so I could be induced, yeah. So, um, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, um, basically you take um, a pill, which is just a very concentrate. Oh, no, you don't take it. No, they insert um, a high dose um, pill, which has, I think it's oxytocin. Yeah. It is. Um, so when I say you take it, you don't take it for your mouth. Take it somewhere else. And hang on, um, it's like, hang on. It's like I would have thought drunk. it was being an injection. So you're telling me it's a suppository. It's a suppository. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the word. I was trying to find another way to say they stick it up your mouth. Uh, a suppository. <laughs> no, um, hang on, hang on. Now I'm getting, I'm getting the sense that I'm wrong. Anyway, by suppository, I meant they stick it up your ass. No. Oh my- I mean, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Does Why it? Would it- well, I, I, I can't believe I've, this is the second series of suggesting that a baby comes out your ass. <laughs> this is the best podcast ever. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, so they do. They stick it up there because it. That's because where that's it where it's coming go. out. Yeah, that makes sense. Good job. I'm not a doctor. Um, um, so they stick it up your vagina, which I'm still learning um, to say, um, and then it like kickstarts the whole thing. It well, it's supposed to, but my birth was um, uh, uh, the problem with it was that it, they called it, it non-progression. So my birth, my birth didn't progress. It's really important to realise up until the point of my induction, I had no contractions whatsoever. I didn't even have Branston Hicks contractions, and my bump was so high, I might, it, it, they, I might have ever been carrying this child in my boobs. Like it was yeah. literally this so child. She hadn't dropped. Not, she hadn't. Got she had not descended at all. She was not about to come out and interestingly enough my daughter is quite stubborn and I, <laughs> I would suggest that that's you know there's nothing I can change about that um so um that's really important and then whilst um it's, it's, you know when you get induced you're supposed to go get induced go home and come back when um when your contractions start however I was at the time not with my partner I was on my own and I'm the only driver in my family so I explained to them that if I go home, I won't be able to come back to the hospital really because I'd have to drive. So they let me stay in hospital. So it was just me and my mum just all just waiting for contractions to start, and they just they just never came. They all they started to come by the way, but then they never got quicker or more painful. Um, not for ages anyway. Like literally, we were there for like thirteen or fourteen hours. Then, um, but I got like they they gave me dinners, which were hideous, but. Um, that's so they did. The point. So they didn't, because I was wondering if they would start doing nil by mouth in case that they had to like give you a cesarean. No, or they they didn't do that. They were fully. They looked. They were fully confident that they just had to give me whatever they gave me, and that I would I would give birth. Um, and that's the real issue. And that's where I think though. I mean, I don't. I could have maybe done something about it, but I couldn't bother. But two things happened. Um, I was eventually. I eventually went into what was it? What's it called? Like hard labour or um, the stage of labour, which is like okay, this is labour. The baby's coming. Oh right. So transition. So there's a transitional phase, which is where you think you're going to die, and then it goes into the. Is it the third stage? Yes, uh, the second stage. So you get early labour, active labour, transitional phase. It's where you think you're going to die, and then the second stage is where you start to push. Thing. okay so i went into active labor yeah um and then they were like great what would you measure you so i'm sure you will know and your listeners will know that you're not supposed to really met, get your dilation measured regularly you literally because of the risk of infection so um they measured me and they were like oh no you're only like literally i was like two centimeters or whatever it was it was ludicrous yeah. so they were like now you've got to wait four hours i was like bloody hell another four hours with me and my mum just sat in this ward thing and then my brother shows up because i didn't want him there my mum thought it'd be nice for him to be there so that was your brother um, yeah it's 
I, I don't even know what to say other than no uh, at the business up. end no he wasn't there like he like he, obviously you know <laughs> he was present in the hospital oh but he I wasn't see like... I thought you meant in the delivery room and I'm <laughs> no, like no, 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 he's no, no. really I, devoted at, at this point I was literally in triage like I wasn't in the birthing centre or anything because they they only admit you in the birthing centre when you're in active labour yeah um, and at that point I they had measured me in the ward or triage whatever it was and they were like oh you're not even properly dilated but I was like but I'm in active labour they were like yeah but you're not you're not dilated. Anyway, so I wait four hours after that and they measure me and they go, it's a miracle. You are now at the correct stage of dilation to go into the birthing centre. And then they were like, oh, well, actually, we wouldn't normally put people this late into the birthing centre, but you're like super fit and healthy. You know, you should be fine. You can so take it. You, yeah. And I thought, and I think that was the real pivot, a pivotal kind of decision because that was a really weird thing to do because I've since discussed my birth with people who were like nobody has a birth in center birth or any kind of alternative birth if they're that late like it's just not yeah. the done thing do you think they um, did that because there was just the space and they thought it's quite useful to move you there the the midwife so this is an interesting thing i knew the midwife because a few months or weeks or whatever prior i'd gone for a run and fallen over yeah. Um, so I went back. So I went to maternity triage, which anyone knows is like an A and E specifically for pregnant people. And it wasn't like a big fall, but I went just to get a scan, and everything. And I met the midwife, and I'm there in my lycra, and she was like, "Cause yeah, you're still running." And I was like, "Please don't tell my mum." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I saw her again, she recognised me, and I just I think that there was probably a bit of bias in her, to be honest. So she was like, "Oh, look, cool. There's Denise Lewis. She'll be fine." Um, and I wasn't fine. I was 20 days late. I was, you know, I'd literally been in this, I'd spent all, my whole Sunday in this place. This baby wasn't coming out. It was, this baby was never going to come out in a birthing center, you know, yeah. in, and uh, I'd been given all the correct drugs. This baby was, and so I, I don't, I think it was just the, oh, you'll be fine. And at that point I was what they call a geriatric mum. I was 30, I was the top end of 35 when I gave I birth. love it when they do that. They just basically right that you're a doddery old crow i know yeah but you know if we the, i mean i think again i think the science is 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 not quite right but there is something to be said about a 36 year old body giving birth and you know against a 24 year old body well, certainly for know? the first time i guess if you were a second time mum or a third time mum they'd be much more relaxed about it but i think that's yeah, yeah it's all stretched out first you know, time you like... don't know what kind of birther you are you know you might be a kind <laughs> of heave it out in two pushes or you might be like me, a canary down the mine. Um, <laughs> they need to be quite careful in finding that out. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, being and so you know that was that was terrible. But anyway, at that point, we were like, finally, after all this waiting, we so we, we can finally go to the birthing centre. So I pack up all my stuff, you know, because I brought my bags with me, and it's just me and my mum, and this, and then my brother's there. <laughs> For reasons that we will never know because um, <laughs> he loves me obviously that's the reason but still. just as long as he didn't actually look I'm, I'm, no, I'm no, cool no, with no, your no, brother no, being no. there there's, there was a really funny point in the I'm skipping forward a bit I will come back there's a really funny point when we're, I'm in the birthing centre and it's all gone wrong like it's all gone to shit and a midwife comes in and um at that point <laughs> I sent him away yeah um and um I was just like just go away you're just not helping <laughs> um but obviously it'd be hours and hours and hours have gone by and for whatever reason he came back probably because my mum told him to come back so my mum's a very nervous anxiety ridden person because I had no idea about before you I only acknowledge I only realized she's an anxious person now um and the midwife comes in and she's like oh um your brother's here. Can he come in? And I just like go, no! <laughs> like, why would I want him in? You know, I'm walking around in my bikini top, and like high off of that drug that's supposed to be like medical heroin. I'm like, this is, yeah. it, was, it was all terrible. So anyway, um, we all go to the birthing centre um, and he waits outside, obviously. Um, and my mum is just like, the biggest mistake I made with my birth is that I took it all a bit too much in my stride because I was doing it on my own. Um, mm. And um, I just thought, oh, okay, I'll just read about the options I've got. I'll just tick off the options I want on this list. I'll do my little birth plan. And my mum can come and just like spectate. Um, and when she showed up, my mum hasn't given birth since 1981. And even when she did that, she was had a very um, terrible pregnancy. She was in hospital for about four months with me and my twin brother. Um, so all she knows about childbirth is really epidural, baby pops out. 
that's all she knows. So she walks into this room with like a pool, with some contraption that looks like a cot of guillotine, <laughs> with a stool, with all this equipment. She's like, what is all this? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a, a natural birth in the pool. And she, she's like, okay. So I get into the pool and she sits herself in the corner and then she asks the midwife to make her a cup of tea. And that's Amazing. when I was like, oh my God, this is not going to go. This is, this is, because I thought she would just naturally know, like, you know, what giving birth is about and what being a birthing partner was about. But I hadn't really understood that. Of course she wouldn't know no. because she never had one herself. She never needed one. And it's 2018, it's you know. Different. And when she was like ordering the midwife to get her tea, she was like, they're supposed to get your tea. And I was like, oh no, this is, <laughs> this is really bad. And I don't, what I don't want to do is make my mum come across as like, you know, like, oh, she can't be, she thought that. That's so ridiculous. Like this is of her time. That's, that's how she was treated in hospital. She's in the hospital for four months. Yeah. So that's how she was treated. So it didn't occur to her that that's not how things are done now. And obviously we are really holistic and we're really kind of back to basics almost with, with childbirth. That's not something, you know, in the 80s you gave birth, they bleached your child and they gave you a bottle and they sent you on your way, mm. you know. So, you know, there's no, there's no skin on skin contact, <laughs> in my, which kind of, so it probably explains Brexit, actually. Um, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a skin on skin. So it's... You know, that's that's it. Um, so, yeah. Um, so maybe uh, your brother would have been a better birthing partner. In oh, don't say that. Don't, don't say that out loud because <laughs> then he would turn up to the second one. But you're absolutely right in, in, in terms of what you're saying. Like somebody younger who is a bit more open-minded. Again, not that my mum isn't open-minded. It's just her specific experience of giving birth. She's given birth to three kids, you know, um, didn't involve the kind of things that, that I wanted to involve. And, and so they were very alien to it. And obviously I'd gone through a process of learning. I'd gone to a couple of classes that the council put on. You know what I mean? I'd Googled mm. some stuff. But also, so, it, I mean, I'm not sure someone that close to you is the best placed person to watch you in massive amounts of pain and panic because they feel it so acutely and they can panic too that maybe, you know, maybe you should have someone who you just know vaguely. I don't know. Somebody's a bit more practical and you know, like a bit more detached from the process. At the time, at the time, that wasn't the case, and I'll tell you why. Labour is very hard, and because it's so hard, she couldn't understand why I would put myself through it. So she wasn't. It wasn't like she was. Well, it's a fair point of view, really, isn't it? it it's a very fair point. She was like, "Why are you doing this?" And she thought it sounded like breastfeeding. <laughs> it's like, "Why are you doing this? You don't need to do it. You yeah. can just get a bottle, right?" She was like, "Why are you going through labour?" You know, so she watched me labour, obviously with, with sympathy, but also with this kind of, should have got an epidural. So it had that real mother-daughter thing of, told you so, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I told you so. My name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast apps and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So you were kind of giving birth, but, but way, way too late in this, in this birthing pool. Or yeah, so I'm in this birthing pool, getting gas and air, and um, having to wait, like having to just, I was, by, by this point, by the point I'm in the pool, I'm in active labour, like properly, contractions every what, two minutes, you know, just like. Um, Do you know how dilated at, you were at that point? Well, the answer is no, and I'll tell you why. Oh, so I've mistold the story, excuse me. <laughs> I've mistold the story, and I'll tell you why. I was six centimetres when they measured me first time round. I was four centimetres when they measured me second time round. That's how we knew I was measured incorrectly. Right. So and they were I, absolutely sure about the four. Yes, so they were really absolutely were. four. And then people were like, you've gone backwards. That's a bit odd. And then, then uh, we waited four hours and I was measured again and I was still four centimetres. They were like, okay, you haven't moved. And then I was measured four hours later and I was six centimetres. And they were like, this baby ain't coming now. Like, and that's when we were like oh. 12 hours in the pool. I was like a raisin. Yeah. Um, and at that point is where was when I think um, that's at that point you know it only took twelve hours labour to get my mum into gear. My mum was like, <laughs> 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 "How many put cups of tea had she got by then?" Oh goodness knows. And a really funny thing, as you will know, when you labour is really painful, but it's it's intermittent pain. It's like intervals. Yeah. So when you're not in contractions, you're you're kind of fine. So in between my contractions, I was like giving her snacks from my bag, giving her change to use the bloody <laughs> tea machine, texting people. Like I didn't know what to do. It was the most, um, one of the most surreal experiences of my life. Um, but after that, um, after that twelve hours, I couldn't do any more. No. Um, well, particularly because it's so demoralising, not getting any further. I mean, if you'd got further, that, that would be all right. That was the main thing. Um, so then what I asked for was a shot of that um, drug that I swore I'd never take, um, which I forget the name of. Is it's, it pethidin? Pe- that's the one. Pethidin. That's the one no one wants because it's supposed to go into the bloodstream of the baby. There's a sore chance that it, it will, but I would suggest, from my experience, don't take it because when the nurse gave it to me, and by that point, by the way, once you get it, you can't have a natural birth. That's the point at which you're going to, you know, you can't be in the birthing pool or, or hanging upside down from a bungee rope or however you want to do it. Like, once you've had that, you that's a, a very big intervention. But I was like, why is it still painful? And the midwife was like, oh, it doesn't stop the pain. It just makes you feel sleepy. It's like, I'm fucking sleepy anyway. <laughs> so it's not, I mean, in my experience, like any kind of drug that doesn't stop the pain and makes you feel sleepy, I just sort of think, well, bearing in mind I'm having contractions every minute and a half, like... <laughs> it's sleeping, it's that, not that, what that you thing. want your experience of heroin to be, really, is it? Um, Look, it, it absolutely was not. And um, yeah, say no to drugs. I, before I was borderline, like, must be okay. Nah. It's... So you've had the pethidin, which you subsequently re- regret. What did they do? Now? Are, they, are they sort of saying, right, you've got to go into an operating theatre or something? Um, okay, so they said, right, now you have to wait another four hours. I was like, no. I'm not, I Why? can't do it. I'm, Why? I, because if, the, the reason I was given was if you interfere too much, you, you run the risk of infection. And that's unfortunately exactly what happened. And I'm skipping forward again, but I begged and begged and begged. I said, please measure me. I, like, I'm, there's something wrong with this birth. I'm not progressing. There's no point me slaving here for four hours. You know, like, I've, and at that point, I hadn't realised they measured me wrong initially, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd just gone backwards. <laughs> and it wasn't It wasn't until afterwards it had been explained to me, because it's impossible to go backwards. Mm. I had, you know, but in my mind at that point, I'd gone backwards. So I begged and begged and begged. And then they finally agreed to measure me um, before the four-hour limit. So um, I think I can't remember um, how long I'd been under the, 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 that particular drug, but it definitely wasn't four hours because I just I was begging. I was just like, this isn't progressing. You have to. We should also point out that me. when we say measure in this sort of very gentle way, as if they hold up a ruler to oh, the vagina, no. um, which is what I thought they did. I mean, this is like somebody sticking their hand up and having a massive incredibly painful rummage it's like country file you know if you ever watch country yes. file and it's perfect and it's lambing or whatever it's just like that and they, they use they, they use their fingers to measure and so you're begging good... them to do that well you know it makes... <laughs> yeah it's not for the first time but let's <laughs> um but um 
<laughs> yeah, but I was because I thought I can't do this another four hours. And then when they measured me again, they could see that I clearly wasn't progressing. And they said, look, your options are to go to the labour ward, have an epidural, um, and we will look at your options on which I do epidural. And I was like, okay. So it was really funny. So I'd gone into hospital thinking, I'd gone into you know, my, my pregnancy thinking I'd have as natural a birth as possible. And I had mm. every intervention under the sun, every <laughs> intervention you can have. So I, often I had. the way. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Well, can I tell you a funny epidural story? Yes. Okay. So, um, I'm by this point, I'm all jobbed up. I've been laboring for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, like I said, my, my mum was there not being as useful as I thought she would, but, and that was my fault. Um, uh, my brother's there who is like, obviously my brother, um, but like, that's annoying. Um, any, when you're pregnant and you're giving birth, anything that's happening that you didn't want to happen is just, in, just the most infuriating thing. Yes. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just infuriation to the height and to the max of a thousand. <laughs> and it's, you, you know, you almost overreact to things and it's, it's very frustrating. Like message to anybody who is around a pregnant person who's giving birth, please just respect what they say, even if you don't agree with it, because, you know, it's, you know, it's just, just do it. It's hard enough as it is. Yeah. You know, you don't, have, you don't have to understand their reasoning, but that's their reasoning. But anyway, um, we go upstairs and I get put in, admitted into the labour ward and a doctor comes in or an, an, an anaesthetist comes in to the epidural and I'm like, you know, I'm all stressed. I'm high off of this stupid drug and very tired and whatever. I'm scared at this point. So I'm terrified mm. at this point, obviously. Um, and then he says, right. And they explain to me what's going to happen. And I'm like, cool. And then he, he says, right, you're about to feel something. It's very important. Once you feel this, you do not move. It's so important that you do not move. It could be catastrophic. You do not move. I'm like, okay, okay, I won't move. I won't move. And then I feel like something on my back, like a nail scratching me. So I think that wasn't that bad. And I instantly relax. And then I feel this thing stabbing into my back. And I go, ah, and jump. And everyone around me goes, ah, because obviously like when that happens, that's like, you know, the needle can go a millimetre to left or right yeah. up and down. And that's catastrophic. So I was like, and they were like, he was like, I told you not to move. And it's like, I didn't move, but I didn't, you know, you should have told me to expect a fucking injection. <laughs> you know, he, he said, you're about to feel something unpleasant. And I thought that wasn't that unpleasant. And I'm high as well, right? They've got to I explain things more clearly. Fucking hell, man, it was so bad anger, but it was terrifying at that point. And it, I was, and yeah, and then in the end, it was, it was, um, you know, obviously it, it, it was fine. As it happened afterwards, um, when I, was, I had to be admitted to hospital, which I'll get to, so I'm skipping forward again, but I met that the NSC doctors came round to ask for feedback. And I said, you have to be really clear because it, in my mind, I was following your instructions. Um, and, you know, that's why I didn't tense my body or I didn't mentally prepare myself to be still when you injected me because I thought what I was waiting for had already been done. Yeah. Um, and, that, you know, he took that on board. And I appreciate the fact that they did do that. But a terrifying moment in my life, probably the scariest moment of my life. Yeah, I, I had the same thing, the exact same thing where they say, you need to be really still now because if you move, we could paralyze you. And even if you have a contraction, you need to, to stay still. And I mean, it just seems like the most yeah. impossible, terrifying moment. It's, it's terrifying, especially when you think, oh, I've done it now, cool. And then you get stabbed. You <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, it, it's, it, it's not epidurals, I think. I mean, they do the job, but that moment is, is, is really unpleasant and very scary. Um, Did it do the job, though? Because I've, I've had mixed reactions to epidurals from people I've spoken to. Yes. So my understanding of epidurals is you can get good ones and bad ones. Yeah. So the best ones are when you are anaesthetized um, from the waist down, but you can still feel your contractions. Yeah. Um, I couldn't feel any contractions from that point on. I didn't feel any more contractions. Um, I could see them happening. They, they, they link you up to a machine so you can see like waveforms on this machine that tells you when you're contracting. Yeah. But I didn't feel, I didn't feel nothing. I Isn't that anything. good? No, because <laughs> for some reason, I'll never know. Rather than them saying, have a C-section, they were like, you know what, man, you're getting bit by bit, you're moving on. So let's try and push this baby out. But you yeah. can't push if you can't feel contractions. No. But I thought they toned it down or it wore off towards the end when you actually have to start pushing. <laughs> no. So what they did was they hooked me up to something where I could administer the drug myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Every, I forget the time interval, but every so often I could just press a button. Um, and um, 
and release the drug to make to make sure it didn't wear off. I was never told to ease up on it to feel the contractions. It was that wasn't advice I was given. Mm. In hindsight, that feels like good advice. Um, yeah, but yeah, it does. But you know, and that's what happened. I was I was in this bed with this epidural, and I was being measured every four hours as, as per before. Um, and when it got to ten centimeters, I was you know I couldn't push because when you're ten centimeters dilated, you can obviously push the baby out. Yeah. And, but I couldn't, I couldn't do anything because I couldn't feel the contractions. I couldn't, you know, it was a very, um, that was humiliating, actually. It was really humiliating. I didn't like that because I couldn't do anything. I just but felt. But they should have told you that you needed less drugs to, to push so that they should have sort of weaned it down a bit. It feels weird that right. they didn't tell you. It feels really weird. And I don't know why they didn't. I think, I think maybe they said to me, the more you, I mean, I, I can't remember. I would assume they said the more you administer this drug, the less you feel. And they maybe expected me to put two and two together. No, but no it's got to be clear. No, yeah, no one said, look, you have this, you're hooked up to, uh, you've got an epidural. If you want to have some kind of a natural birth or a vaginal birth, um, you will have to ease up on the drugs for that to be possible. No one ever said that. And it never occurred to me Um well, and, that far uh, down, you're not really supposed to make rational decisions and, you know, really weigh up the balances. You just react instinctively, which is, I'd like to be in less pain, please. Uh, absolutely. And, um, I, yeah, I, at that point, I don't really know what I expected. Um, but anyway, I would thought I'd, I'd still be there giving birth now if they didn't finally, <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't finally make a decision to give me a C-section. That happened because the because my daughter's heart rate just started shooting up. So yeah. even she'd had a, she'd had enough. She was <laughs> like, surprised. for goodness sake. So yeah, so I I get measured to, to, to and I'm ten centimeters dilated. So they say try push it out, um, and I try 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 try. I'm literally trying for forever, um, and they say right if it doesn't come out by this time, I'll give you a C-section. And it gets to that point. Um, and baby, like nothing's happened. Like there's no, um, it just by this point, the a midwife could feel my child's head, yeah. but it wasn't like any. Didn't they talk about position. forceps or suction? Um, not to my recollection. I th- oh yes, forceps they mentioned. Um, but by that point, um, like I said, my daughter's heart rate started to go up. Right. So then they were like, "Oh, we'll give her a C-section," and it made me think maybe I don't know if it's true or not, but it made me think that maybe. Um, Maybe it's bad for them to have C-sections and they're trying to reduce how many they do. I don't know. But it seemed like they were doing everything in their power to not give me a C-section. Yeah. Um, so I, I go into the theatre and, um, you know, um, can I also say, can I say I was remarkably popular in this hospital? I think because I was quite sarcastic. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> everyone was quite ecstatic. It was, it was really weird. And when I was in getting the C-section, when I say cast of thousands, I mean so many people in this room. I just couldn't believe how many people it took to pull a baby out. Um, and they administered... They did, did they all do that thing where they introduced themselves? I like that. Bit. Yes, they did. And uh, uh, the sad thing is, I can't remember um, this... I don't know what he's, you call him, I guess the surgeon's name, but like the chief surgeon. Yeah. He was the friendliest guy, had the nicest face and the, the most fantastic bedside manner. Yeah. He was the first person I'd met that day who I just felt, oh my God, where have you been? I've been here for two days. He was just, I, honestly, I still see his face to this day. Um, and he was really, um, he explained everything um, and he just had really friendly eyes because you can't see the rest <laughs> of it. But I remember his face from afterwards as well. Um, and um, and what happened was, um, so I mentioned before that there's a risk of infection when you get, when you get, um, so many uh, hands so up many, exactly and which makes total sense yep. um, it's amazing i made it this far in life beth i'll tell you um <laughs> they don't tell you about this in school but yeah and what happened was once um, my daughter had been had been born um my temperature shot up and they suspect that was because I got in it like really sharp to yeah. the point where it was like um like if it had been casualty or, or healthy city that's the oh my god moment will she yeah. make it it wasn't that bad but it was still like so then they give me a drug to send my temperature down and that drug is just like has hideous side effects so I was like um had the like whole body shakes for about 12 hours after the, the c-section I couldn't yeah. I was just shaking um and um for whatever reason like I don't know why this happened but I couldn't feel the left side of my body and I was terrified I I was like I kept telling this really friendly guy I can't feel my left arm I can't feel my left leg I can't feel anything. and he was like 
you know, it's really trying to reassure me. Um, but that was, and I suspect I did get an infection because that's, they had to address um, that. Um, and because of that, they were afraid that I would have passed on to my daughter. So I had to be admitted to hospital whilst we both got administered with antibiotics, um, yeah. which was the best thing ever. Because after all that drama, it was just me and her for four days. Oh, so, well, that's nice because that's the that's the horrible thing, isn't it? That you can go through this marathon of exhaustion and terror and panic and euphoria. And then they go, right, here's your baby. Go and look after it. Um, yeah. And you just are in no fit state to deal with that kind of shock. No. And it. I, I mean, it sounds weird, but it was a real blessing that I got those four days. So I got, you know... I'd had I'd gone through a quite traumatic time with my family, which obviously on reflection was half of it was like me being in labour, so you see things in a very magnified way. And the other yeah. half, like I said, like they're inexperienced with babies. Like I should probably mention that I have a really small family in London. It's me and my brother and my twin brother lives in Australia, so we don't have many babies and births and things like yeah. that. And we, you know, mine. I have I should have mentioned this earlier, but my twin brother had a baby on the same day. Hang on. Which, which brother was in the hospital hanging around? My old, I have an older brother who's I in the hospital, but, but I've got a twin brother. He wasn't just there giving birth. He was there to to, to just because like, he was getting his niece, and that's exciting. But I have a twin brother who lives in Australia, and he had was a having on a the baby same day. on the same yeah, day. Yeah, my God, had a baby on the same day. Yeah, so so my mum was very yeah. So another, that was another thing which affected my mum's behaviour because she was giving birth to two grandchildren that day. She must not have been just freaking mine. out. Freaking out, distracted. Make that woman a cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, you know, and, you know, freaking out, distracted, excited, nervous, you know, but not, not 100% in the room is, is, is really what I'm trying to say. Um, so it's good but, that after that you got a sort of peaceful chance to just regroup. You know, with my family, they were very invested in the birth, but they weren't useful. My friend came with her laptop and just started working away in the corner. And we just chatted while she was working. And it, that what you said earlier about having somebody who wasn't that close to you. Yeah, probably, not in that way. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. I didn't mean someone yeah. who's uninterested, but just yeah. someone who has a little bit of distance and perspective. It, it, precisely, precisely. And she was a, a lifesaver too. And I think I think I probably hurt both my brother and my mum with maybe my responses to them. So she was able to, because she knows my family, that so she was probably able to kind of, be a bit of a liaison. Um, Smooth it down a bit. Smooth, yeah, yeah, yes. Do do, do do the diplomacy that I wasn't really up for. Um, <laughs> and that, so that, that was great. So those going forwards, you know, I'm in the hospital and it was just me and this, this little girl. And we were just, it was great. You know, those four days, we were just, I always remember them. It was brilliant. We were just roaming around. I was, and they give you these little cots with wheels on the bottom of them. I'm, I'm surprised you can't buy these cots. They're so Yeah, great. they're really good, aren't they? Oh, they're so good. You just, I was just wheeling around, bumping into people and just like having natters and, you know, we're hanging out and texting. And um, <laughs> and like I said, for some reason, everyone in the ward really liked me. So they put me in a really quiet part of the ward where I didn't have to share one other, one other mother. So it was almost like a private area, you know. Um, and the doctor, because um, everyone says this about their kid, right? I know everyone says this, but like, because mine had been overcooked, she was super cute. Like big eyes, loads of hair. I so do not say that about my kid. He was so <laughs> he was so undercooked. He, he did look like an alien. Oh bless! Um, so it's the, like yeah, another example, another reason to have them because um, the photos are better. <laughs> <laughs> How much did she weigh? Was she massive? So seven seven. I've got here. That's not. That's not huge. It's not huge. Not for someone. Not for a baby that was that late. Um, not for maybe yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, that late. That's kind um, of that's kind of a good size, but but just average. I thought you were going to be like she was twelve pounds or something. No, like no, 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 no. She wasn't. No, she was just a baby. You know, she just yeah. She was. I would say I would call that distinctly average, actually. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, but she was super cute, and so the doctors would do their rounds, and they'd be like, "Oh, what's her favorite one? How is she going?" And they would argue over which one got to give her the injection. And they didn't <laughs> want to give her an injection. It was it was a lot of I had a lot of fun bantering with the midwives and the doctors, and and like everyone um, who um you know like overall like can I question the care that I received in the hospital? Like yeah, definitely a billion percent. But like I have to, I have very fond memories of 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 a lot of things, um, a lot of my interactions with the, the staff. Um, but the, yeah, the coolest thing about those four days was just that control over my space. You yeah, know, like, it's quite a luxury like, to have that. 
Yeah, and I, obviously, I don't, I've never had a baby before, and I'm not around babies. I don't know how they work. So it was four days for me to like. It was like it's like getting Lego, and you get the instructions, and you like let me get to grips with this. You know, let me know how. So by the time I came out of the hospital, I knew I knew what type. I knew how to breastfeed and how to change and how to bathe. I knew. I just I just felt like really confident in my parenting. Which is really weird because it's four days, right? And no, but that's I a great think... start to get. But but from a physical point of view, how were you recovering? Because you'd been through a hell of a lot. Um, I think uh, I think C sessions are really challenging. Um, I don't know if you had had have had one, but no. Yeah, they're very challenging things to recover from. No yeah, matter, harder because... to recover. I would have said than a vaginal birth. Yeah, unless you have, um, you know, particularly brutal um, vagina birth, they, they can happen. They're really hard to recover from. And I had all, yeah, I had all kinds of problems when I got home. I ripped my stitches. Um, yeah, literally just getting into bed. And I heard something's pop and I thought, what's that? And I went about my business and I looked around and there was like a trail of blood following me from. Jesus. And when I say trail, I don't mean like drops. It was just, it was pouring out. Oh, it was just ludicrous. So yeah, the, the nature of, of the C-section wound is, wound is very problematic because it's just a deep cut. And then it's, it's in a place that you cannot keep um, still. It's, you know, it's your core. So um, your wound is very vulnerable mm. to, to splitting. Um, obviously, you think little things that like you can't pick things up. You can't walk at any speed. Um, you can't bend over. You can't drive. So I wouldn't say I had a, um, a challenge in recovery from it, but I would say it's challenging anyway. Regardless. Yeah, because you're, you're faced with this incredibly demanding 24-hour job that doesn't mm. let you sleep. Yeah, exactly. And another reason why the hospital was quite good, because I had a C-section, but I was in a place where I had a bed that could, you know, it was an electronic bed, it went up and down, and I had a cot that worked really well. And so you have all these things that give you lots of assistance um, with your mobility issues and your pain issues that you wouldn't probably have at home. So by the time I'd gotten home, I was in much better shape than I would have been had I just been discharged when you normally get discharged. It's actually ridiculously early um, in UK hospitals. You get discharged like <laughs> so soon. I know, five it, minutes after. You're good to go. Yeah. yeah. I had to do a poo before I could leave. That was that was my discharge. Oh, yeah, they, my literal yeah. discharge was go and do a poo. <laughs> I, yeah, they were they were very strict with my poos in hospital. Um, they were, I haven't had a poo yet. And I was like, but apparently, maybe for different reasons, because you get incredibly constipated after any kind of surgery. I had, well, yeah, had I think I had both. That, that It was because of my stitches, but also because of whatever drug they'd given me. Oh, okay, yeah. They were, But I remember thinking, what's the big deal, guys? But they were just, did you poo today? And I was like, no, I didn't. I felt that was a failure. Um, <laughs> and eventually they gave me like um, some laxatives and stuff, which I still have, actually. I thought, I'm not throwing them away. Is they quite useful. <laughs> you better check the, cell, the, the, the use-by date, though, because I just discovered a load in our medicine cabinet. Not in my house. We've got stuff that's 50 years old. Yeah. Don't worry about that. It's, all, it's all good, isn't it? It's going to do some good. Um, <laughs> what I usually do at this point in the show is ask you you know to go back and give yourself some advice actually for the first time you are able to give yourself some advice Um, what's your advice for yourself uh now to have really clear and frank conversations with my family um and the people close to me about about what i would like to happen and um why um and yeah and just and those conversations will be better now. I haven't gone through it the first time round, so I'll be really clear about what I want. Because, um, like I said, we—I hadn't appreciated that not only was having a baby a new thing for me, it was new for everyone around me. Yes. And I took a lot for granted. I just thought people would just automatically be exact um, figures that I would have needed at the time that I needed them, and of course they wouldn't because they have I'm it like assuming. it's like. Yeah, everyone's human. And like I said, we're a small family. We don't have lots of babies. We don't have lots of this stuff. This stuff just never happens to us. It's new. And then for two to happen in one day on the other side of the world, it's a crazy story, man. So, um, <laughs> so weird. I, I, I'm a laid back person who is very much, I'll, you know, I, I take things in my stride and not everyone is like that. Um, and in childbirth, you you know, you, to take that for granted was, was probably the, was definitely the wrong thing to do. Um, but like I said, it's lockdown now, so I'll be on my own. It's great. <laughs> I'll take an iPad and just film it and live stream it or something. I just suggest you make your mum a big flask of tea to get her through it. 
Yeah. She, I mean, she it's a generational thing, I guess. Um, she will never really understand why I went through what I went through. And in many ways, it, she... I mean, she was bloody right. She just had a different draw. Yeah, and no, so- I, I'm with her. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... Man, you think these babies just pop out and you hear these stories, but, oh my gosh, they don't, you know. And like I said, she was clinging on. She wasn't going no. She was squatting. More um, times than not, it's a mess. And um, it's... I think that, you know, advice of clear instructions um, is very good but um what i'm going to do with all these um bits of advice that i get is i'm going to write them all down on pieces of paper um and i'm going to put them in a little glass bottle and then i'm going to take it out to sea find the deepest section of the mariana trench and chuck (laughs) it in because in these scenarios i think you're so right plans don't work and you've just got to go with the flow take it how it goes and we don't have advice on this show we only have stories but um what we do have for the first time ever which as you know we're really <laughs> excited about is we get to say good luck and thank you wishing you the most uh smooth zen pain-free birth that you could possibly have bless you know something you just want a baby at the end you know that's yeah why I... if you're healthy and and you've got yeah a healthy that's baby. why i never yeah i never complained or said any you know i just once it had been done i was like well look i've got this little little monster now so that says wouldn't it yeah. be really nice if it was just you know a doddle oh god like karma wise you deserve it oh god wouldn't that, that would be nice and i i hope that this this what you've just said will make it so oh please please <laughs> Thank you very much, Athena, for being such a fantastic guest and allowing us to delve so deeply into your birth canal. That was great. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. It's been therapeutic. I feel like you need to charge me now. Good. (laughs) Well, that can be arranged. (laughs) And we'll send you on your way to your next birth. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to One Torn Every Minute. Hope we didn't put you off. See you next time. Television history is contained within the box of delights. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Guests pick their favourite television moment and tell us why they love it. And is this the episode where Daisy's just been for the interview at the Woman's Magazine? Flaps. That's it, Flaps. Yeah. Named one of Radio Time's best podcasts of the year. I don't understand people who don't see the joy in drawing the curtains, mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. Nostalgia in bite-sized chunks. Box of delights. From Great Big Owl. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.